0: The following podcast is sponsored by Endgame PR, a social media PR firm based near Richmond, Virginia. To learn more about how Endgame PR can help your business with media relations, social media management, content creation, and even podcast production, please visit EndgamePR.com. That's E N D G A M E P R.com. Welcome to Rams Rewind, a podcast that looks back at all of the action from VCU men's basketball. In this special bonus episode, host George Templeton reviews this year's A-10 awards and VCU by the numbers and previews this weekend's big A-10 championship game between the Rams and St. Bonaventure. And now, here's George.
1: It is weird being in this situation where we have a uh a break in between the final and semifinal, but we do. So I decided uh this week a bonus episode of Rams Rewind, we're gonna do a Saint Bonaventure preview and then we're gonna do and we're also gonna do VCU by the numbers. Uh and and look at and look at where they are slotted in most people's in, in the key brackets that matter and different and their and different numbers that are surrounding them. Some very interesting things. Uh, that, have, that, have, that are, have made themselves apparent as we are getting closer and closer to Selection Sunday. As I record this, hopefully you listen to this anytime between now and the and the tip-off on CBS Sunday afternoon between VCU and St. Bonaventure. It is Wednesday, so we are merely four days away from the bracket being picked. And in fact, almost exactly four days as I'm doing this late in the afternoon uh, where I am. Uh, before we get to all that, though, Today as I record just a few hours ago we had the uh we had the uh the awards the uh the A10 awards come out and very deservingly and happily Bones Highland of VCU was named player of the year and also first team all A10. Uh Vince Williams and this is the thing I was sort of hoping for the most. I I I figured Bones Highland would get player of the year. And I figured that some of the other players that would get recognized, who we're going to mention in a minute, would get recognized. I was really hoping that either Vince Williams would get on that third team all-conference or get most improved player, because I really do feel like he was the most improved player, one of them. And that's something uh, I did in a video for the fan group before we started doing these post-game blogs. I was talking that up very early in the season, that Vince Williams had to be one of the most improved players, not just the A-10 in the country for how he jumped up. And was and, and I also said at the time that I thought he could be a second or a third-team all-league player. Well, he's a third-team all-league player joining uh, E.B. Watson of uh, Dayton, Jordan Miller of George Mason, Jameson Battle of George Washington, Fats Russell Rhode Island, Grant Golden of, uh, of uh, Richmond. So very well-deserved for Vince Williams, who absolutely is one of the 15 or 16 best players in this league. There's no question about it. So I'm very happy to see that. It is weird they had six players for each uh, all-conference team. That's kind of uh, unusual. Uh, Hassan Ward, all-defensive team, I certainly certainly have no problem with that. Outstanding defensive player, certainly had to have been in the running for Defensive Player of the Year. That went to Osuna Shuni of St. Bonaventure. We're going to talk about <laughs> quite a lot in a minute. Uh, by the way, most improved player was uh, Tyler Burton of Richmond, which is certainly understandable. Ace Baldwin did make the all-rookie team. He was not Rookie of the Year. That went to Tyler Kolek of George Mason. And, made it, and to the surprise of a lot of people in our fan group, uh, it was not coach of the year for Mike Rhodes for the second time in three years. It was in fact Mark Schmidt uh, of St. Bonaventure who got to, who got the coach of the year honors. Uh, Sixth man of the year Sharif Kenny LaSalle. Here's here's something I want to point out because it tells you what a great defensive team it, VCU's been all year, and you're especially going to you're especially see more evidence of that when we get to VCU by the numbers. All conference first team. Kellen Grady, Davidson, Jalen Crutcher, Dayton, Trey Mitchell, Massachusetts, Kyle Lofton, St. Bonaventure, Jordan Goodwin, St. Louis, uh, Bones Highland, VCU. Now, let me see. You know, I forgot to look and see how we did against uh Goodwin of St. Louis, but I I I I can say this: VCU put the clamps on four of those guys. Uh, and against uh and in the game against us, Goodwin did have a good game. He had 16 and 12 against us. That's a, one guy they played on the first team they, they didn't stop. But Kyle Lofton had eight points in the second game. It was only three of six from the field. Missed a bunch of free throws. They didn't play Trey Mitchell. So actually they put the clamps on three of the guys on the, on the all-tournament team. They didn't play Trey Mitchell. Uh, Jalen Crutcher, uh, they wiped him off, off the map twice. And in the third game, he had a good game, but it didn't matter. And Kellen Grady, he only had 12 in the first game and was 5 of 13 from the field. In the second game, he had 13, but six of those came in the, on two three-pointers in the last minute when the game was absolutely gone as a contest. So they, they the fact that VCU has, has shut down three of those guys uh, just, just, just erased them, really. Uh, it tells you what a great defensive team is. It is, and unfortunately, they didn't get a crack at Trey Mitchell to find out if they could have, if they could have, if they could have put the stop on him as well. So, that that is that just speaks to what a great defensive team VCU is, and so does uh, VCU by the numbers, which we've done in bonus pods before. And I'll tell you something: we've got, we've got a, we've got a pretty impressive uh, VCU by the numbers this time. So. Uh, we're adding one – we're adding because we've got uh, we've got Andy Katz came out with a, uh, with a uh, bracket for NCAA.com, and it's the first one he'd come out with in a while, so we're adding that bracket. So in the Joe Lenardi bracket in Region 2, VCU stays a 6th seed, uh, stays an eleven seed who would play 6th seed Oklahoma in Region 2. Jerry Palm, of course, has VCU as a fat last 4-in team. Uh, as a 12th seed playing against Xavier in the East Region, and if they won that game, they would get Tennessee, of course, who they were supposed to play at the beginning of the season. It did not. Uh, they would play. They would get Tennessee, and that's an East Region. So he actually has uh, he actually has uh, directional regions in his one. And then Andy Katz has them as an 11th seed versus Clemson in Region Two. What's interesting about Joe Lenardi and Andy Katz is that both of them have VCU potentially playing Arkansas. Uh, 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 in the second round, uh, and I have to say so, some of the numbers I've seen on them and they're looking at their schedule, uh, I would not mind that at all. I would not mind that at all. Uh, but that's, that's, that, I don't want to get into that because, you know, it, it probably won't come out that way. Uh, in Ken Palm, VCU takes another nice jump up up to 43, which is, I think, the highest they've been all season or close to it. Their offensive efficiency dropped one spot, which is not surprising because that Davidson game was so awful on offense, really for both teams, but for them especially. They're 121st in that now. But, of course, defensively, they were outstanding in both games, but particularly in the Davidson game. So welcome to the top 10 in defensive efficiency, VCU, yes, they are now one of the 10 best defensive teams in the country, according to Ken Pomeroy's metrics. They are ahead of Gonzaga and Wisconsin. Uh, and, of course, Gonzaga is number one in Ken Palm, so that's interesting that they're ahead of them. Uh, Memphis, who they beat, of course, early in the season, is the second best team in defensive efficiency. And in, out of all of the top 10 teams in that metric, Memphis is the only one that's not either currently in the field or very, very, very likely to be in the field. You're talking about... San Diego, here are the teams that are ahead of VCU in defensive efficiency. San Diego State, Houston, Kansas, Illinois, Tennessee, Michigan, Alabama, Memphis, Loyola of Chicago. Uh, what is interesting about all of that is that some of those teams, most of those teams play very, very slow. Uh, you know, so that, and, and VCU has slowed down significantly. But not to not to that level. Uh, they're 115th in tempo, and I'll and I'll get more into that in a minute because because I, cause I it, it it it's continued their their fall in that particular rating uh, there. But but the interesting thing too is a lot of those teams have not played great offenses. Some of them have, like Illinois has got a great defensive rating, and their offenses that they've played are really really good. But of course, they play in the Big Ten, that helps. But uh, you know, VCU's. Opponent uh, opposing offenses are 89th in efficiency. That's better than what Loyola, Chicago, Memphis, uh, Houston, and San Diego State have have played this year. So that that that's not too bad out of them at all. Um, their uh, their non conference strength of schedule has continued to tick up. It's now 118th. That's been going up and going up and going up. Uh, so I I would just want I I think that, that 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 speaks volumes as well. And, you know, I mentioned it in the fan group, but we've had our first VCU opponent qualify for the tournament, Mount St. Mary's, who VCU beat uh, in non-conference play, won the Northeast Conference by winning two games on the road, no less, and to get into the tournament, uh, very impressive from them. NCAA net is up to 35, which is about the highest I think it's been. I think they might have been above that, like they might have been as high as 31, but 35 is one of the highest they've been this year. Uh, They are back to being seven and zero in quad two. There's a whole bunch of teams that are seven that have seven wins, seven quad two wins. Only Alabama has more; they have eight. They are eight and one in quad two. Colorado, Oregon, VCU, Clemson, uh, North Carolina are all seven and zero in quad two, which is not too bad. Uh, VCU does have two quad one wins. I believe that's Saint Bonaventure at home. I'd almost be. Certain that it's uh, St. Bonaventure at home, I think, is, is, is now a quad one win. Yes, yeah, St. Bonaventure at home and Utah State, I believe, on neutral floor. Yes, those are your two quad one wins. And let's see here. Memphis is actually threatening to be a quad. Yeah, Memphis is threatening to be a quad one win because they are 53 in the net. They almost beat Houston over the weekend. Lost on a three-pointer at the buzzer. That missed, uh, missed, missed a chance for them to get to overtime. So, again, the numbers... Look really good for VCU, and it just is an. Indi- and again, the defensive numbers are really something else uh, to to play to play that good a defense. And again, they're not necessarily they're not. It's not a matter of oh, they're playing really slow tempo, and that's one of the reasons that helps their defense the way like a Houston, Loyola, Chicago, one of the slowest playing playing teams in the country. Um, you know they're they're down there they're down there 342nd uh, in, in tempo, so that tells you something. Uh, what's interesting is that you do have teams like Memphis. Memphis, 40th in tempo, uh, and yet they struggle on offense and great on defense. And Alabama's eighth in tempo. Uh, their offense is not nearly as good as their defense. So that's that's kind of interesting that, that that's the way it is. But it just shows you that, that that how good VCU's been in the half court. How their transition defense has improved. And I think that 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 uh, that, that that says a lot for them. That that says a lot for them. And it says a lot that their that their non conference strength of schedule has been ticking up and up and up. And and when I look at some of the non-conference strengths of schedule of the teams we could potentially play, that's why I feel very good about VCU's chances in the first weekend. Of course, it depends on who we draw. Now let's talk about the tournament uh, performances so far. The similarities are are pretty obvious. Uh St. Bonaventure and VCU both dominant in the tournament. St. Bonaventure trailed Duquesne. Believe it or not, they actually trailed that Duquesne game 7-4 at one point. So they trailed for about two and a half, three minutes. They trailed 4-2 and 7-4. Then then they outscored Duquesne uh, 36-12 the rest of the half and, of course, didn't have any trouble. They actually trailed in the St. Louis game because St. Louis got the first basket, and they only trailed in that game. I don't even think it was a minute. I thought, as I rewatched VCU's two semifinal games today, or two, two tournament games today, that VCU had never trailed in the tournament. They trailed one time in the Davidson game. They were down 8-7 after Mikhail Brown-Jones got injured and got a technical foul because he said, I guess, some naughty language, even though you know, that was not exactly a very clean play from the Davidson player. It was the only time VCU trailed, and immediately VCU scored on the next possession. So VCU's trailed literally for all of 20 seconds in the entire tournament. Uh, says a lot about how good VCU's been. So something's going to give here because neither one of these teams, St. Bonaventure or VCU's, faced any adversity in this tournament or any serious adversity in this tournament at all. At all. Somebody you think's going to on Sunday. That's one of the matchups. A couple of things to look at uh, fr- from the perspective of the games in the regular season. Oshun in is second halves. Now, in the first halves, of each game, he had no points, one rebound. Uh, he, was, he was essentially erased uh, in those first halves. Uh, VCU was absolutely dominant against him. And, of course, foul trouble did have something to do with it uh, in, in the second game, you'd have to say. But even still, VCU VCU did a, did a job on him, was able to do a job on him in the first halves of, uh, of games. Uh, very, very impressive. Second halves of games, though Oshuni combined twenty points, fifteen rebounds uh, in in the second halves of those two games. So, what it'll be interesting to see what what Mark Schmidt's going to try and do to get try to get him going early in games because you know there's two ways to look at these at these two regular season games. The Saint Bonaventure view is well. We were, Yeah, we were down big in the first game, but we rolled in the second half, dominated the second half, won easily, and we came back again in the second half of the second game and, could have, and had a shot to tie it and force overtime. So we really were the better team. The other way to look at it is VCU had a double-digit lead in the second halves of both games. They just fell apart in the first one, and they let it get a little too close in the second one, but VCU really should have swept this series. There was just no reason in the world to have blown that fifteen-point lead they had in the second half against Saint Bonaventure in the in, in in the first game, and VCU is the one that that should win based on that. So a lot of it to me, I mean, that's going to be the thing: is how is Stockard, Hassan Ward, Corey Douglas going to do against Oshun Yi because they've they've stopped him dead cold in the, in the. Uh, in the first halves of both games, but he has gotten rolling in the second half. He had nine points and eight rebounds as doggone uh, St. Bonaventure just walked the dog on VCU in the second half in New York. He had 11 points and seven boards in the second half in the game in Richmond where VCU uh, won the game, and it got a little closer than it should have. But again, you know, except for Highland, that was game high in the second half. And the only reason Highland outscored him in the second half in that second game is because Highland went to the foul line a bunch and made a bunch of free throws to seal that win for us. Thank goodness. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Bones Highland. That's one of the reasons he's the player of the year. So what? how is, how is Osun Oshunyi going to do? Because in those second halves, both of which St. Bonaventure won, he's played great And in those first halves, both of which St. Bonaventure lost and lost, you know, Fairly convincingly, they were down you know, they're down fifteen and a half in the first half of the first game, they were down seven and a half in the second game. So that matchup, Osuny against the front court of VCU, that's gonna be important. That that's gonna be really, really important. They've done a pretty good job. As I said, they they did a pretty good job on Kyle Lofton in the second game. You know, he only had the eight points. They did they did a nice they did a nice job on him. So can they, can, they, can they do the job on Dominic Welch again? Dominic Welch in the second game was two for nine from the three point line. Two for nine, my goodness. And three of 11 overall. So, you know, Welch, one of the things VCU's done so well all season is covered that, you know, has defended that three pointer, its second best three point field goal percentage defense in the conference. And of course, in the first game, Welch, five of six from three you know i mean just 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 ludicrous uh and and almost all of that i think came i want to say almost all of that came in that that terrible ass second half for vcu let's see here um oh yeah he was actually he was uh, he was only 2 for 2 in the second half so uh yeah he was he was the only guy doing anything in the first half of them and in the second half he made you know he made 2 out of 2 and again they dominated in the paint st. bonaventure and just killed vcu in the paint so and that's a Shunyi right there that's a Shunyi. Often got going in the second half of that game. Jaron Holmes got going in the second half of that game. So those are you, th- that pain area is where this game's going to be won, and keeping Welch from torching us from the outside—that to me is what where this title game is going to be won, won or lost for VCU. And again, defensively, we know they are good enough. We know they have the ability to do to do the co- to to cover them to do the coverage like that and to get the job in. So what does that mean? It's got you've got you can't get caught chasing around the perimeter. It's a lot of the same same things I talk about with Davidson, I'm talking about with St. Bonaventure. Don't fall in the trap. We've got to believe in our post players that they can put that they can stand up to shooting because at least for 40 of the 80 minutes they've played, they've done so. And I'll be honest, you know, I can live as long as you're not getting our guys in foul trouble. I can kind of live with Osunyi having a big game, if we're if we're stopping everybody else, if we're not allowing everybody else to get loose and rolling and all that kind of stuff, so you know that that's those are the those are the trade offs that you sometimes have to make in these games. But again, I actually believe our big guy because again, for forty of the eighty minutes they have, but what I'm not what I, what I hope we don't see is that what we saw in that second half where. There was just no – the rotations were not there. They had no energy on defense. You remember in the early big run that St. Bonaventure had, they had three and ones that were dunks. You know, three times guys cut on the baseline, and VCU had nobody on the baseline, and they went up and dunked the ball and got fouled and made, and made the and one. That, that absolutely can't happen. That absolutely cannot happen. Um, golly, Moses, you, you just you just can't have, you just can't have that again. But again, you saw all two, Welch making those threes. You, you've got to, you've got to, you have got him. you can not leave him open. You, you can't, you can't leave him open. Um, let's see here. I'm going to go back and look at, I want to, look, oh, that's the other thing. Uh, interesting, was interesting to look at, St. Bonaventure's two tournament games. Um, in the second one against, I mean, going to, granted, he was going up against Hassan French and, and that front line, so it's tough. Uh, Oshunyi was kind of held back a little bit, eight points, five rebounds. Key is, uh, he didn't let French get off either. French only had four points, five rebounds. So that was pretty good. And, uh, they, they did a, they did a great job on Jordan Goodwin in that game. And of course, Yuri Collins, you know, they, they uh, he had, a, he, he had nine assists, but he was, he also had one point. So, you know, that, that St. Louis and they were dominant. I did not expect, I'll be perfectly honest. I did not expect, uh, St. Louis. I did not expect St. Bonaventure to wallop them like they did. But Asuni as in the in the first tournament game against Duquesne, oh lordy, he went absolutely off against them. I think he had uh, he had double double against them. Yeah, eighteen and fourteen. I mean, and hey, he was just they couldn't do anything with him. Three blocks, six assists. So that's the other thing too. Asuni showing you that he could pass out of the pass out of that post and get the ball to, to people open. I bet you quite a few of them went to Welch. who had four threes in that game. Um, and, and they never, you know, of course they, they, they cruised in that second half St. Bonaventure after getting up 21 at halftime. So that's what I'm looking forward to seeing is that battle in the paint. And then, you know, can we, can we keep Welch from, from giving us trouble? Cause that second game, they did a great job, you know, again, two for nine for three. That's, you're not, you're not gonna have any problem with that. So fascinating game coming up here. One question I, I did not get an answer to, because I tweeted e- Joe Lenardi about this, you know, the loser of this game to me, unfortunately, may end up in that play-in spot. I hope that's not the case. I really hope that's not the case, because I don't think either team deserves to be in the play-in spot, but VCU is in the last four play-ins. The good news is, that, uh, as of this morning, when uh, Lenardi had put his... Uh, Put his little bracket explainer out, and actually he just put up put up another update at two o'clock. VCU's the second team on that list now. They've been the last team with a buy, or the second to last team with a buy. They're now only behind Michigan State, so they're almost off the board in a good way. In that they're now you know they've now they're now about to clear that area. Saint Bonaventure, of course, is not on this list because they're the AQ. But if VCU beats Saint Bonaventure, my worry is is that they might fall into the last four in. Uh, And and speaking of the uh, the first four out, a whole lot of interest there. We've got St. Louis, of course, who is our A-10 brother. Utah State and Memphis, two teams VCU beat, are in that first four out as well. So it'll be interesting to watch what they do. And it's also interesting just to see the kind of teams on the bubble you want to root against. Uh, Not just those teams that are behind us, but of course those teams that are in front of us. You know, one of those teams is Clemson, who just lost uh to Miami you know Florida Virginia Tech is 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 down to a 9 seed because of course they haven't played in weeks North Carolina is a 9 seed those are teams that are ahead of us Rutgers UCLA any of whom could could fall they could fall back and into the into the uh at large pool Georgia Tech uh so those are the kind of teams that if you listen to this you, if you listen to this uh particularly if you listen to this either uh, Wednesday night or Thursday morning when it comes out and all the way through the week, you want to be rooting against those teams because that's the thing. Like I say, it's so close. If VCU can win, granted, it's played on the Sunday when they're picking the bracket. So sometimes those Sunday games end up not counting, which is kind of infuriating. But if VCU can win Sunday and some of these other teams in front of us, you know, if Louisville loses to Duke in the ACC, as a, as a for instance, because they're playing Duke, I think it's tonight. Uh, uh, you know, the teams like that, if Missouri loses early, if Connecticut loses early in the Big East, those kind of things, you know, the, the VCU could get ahead because the, the margin is not much. The margin is really from an 11 to an 8 or a 9 or even a 7. It is, as I've said before, it's very, very tight. So that is it for this pod here. Uh, looking forward to Sunday on Big CBS as part of their, their – uh, their games that they have on Sunday, they have the A10 followed by the Big Ten followed by the bracket. Here's to a VCU win and us uh, relaxing as we enjoy and wait and see where uh, who VCU's is playing. We don't have to worry about VCU getting sent west, as is often the case, because of course all of the tournament is in Indianapolis. And even better, having not played three games this weekend, but only playing one, uh, VCU as long as it's not a triple overtime you know, empty your chamber kind of game should be fresh and ready to go, whether it's uh Friday or Saturday. Cause of course, Thursday is going to be the play-ins because of this jacked up COVID situation we have. Thank goodness. Or hopefully uh, we will only have the tournament like this one year and we will be back to normal next season. So that is it there. I will, I have already asked off for Sunday and have off for Sunday. So you will be getting, you will certainly be getting a post game pod from me. Uh, and you'll probably get, if not the same day, in the next day or two after that, uh, a look at VCU's bracket situation, presuming they're in the bracket, which I think is a fair assumption at this point. Who they're playing, breakdowns on them and all that. There'll probably be another pod uh, it, you know, the next day or two after that, uh, breaking down who they could play in whatever little section sub-regional they're in. Hopefully not in the play-in game, even though VCU is... The one that is that is the first four team that everybody wants to be because they're the one that started in the first four and ended up all the way in the final four, as we well know, 10 glorious years ago. So thanks for listening, everybody. If you're, if you're listening to this on Podbean or Apple, rate, review, subscribe, share it around, ter- tell your friends. And I look forward to talking to you Sunday after hopefully a VCU championship win in the Atlantic 10 final.
0: To submit a question for George to answer in an upcoming episode or to inquire about sponsorship opportunities for this podcast, please email ramsrewind at gmail.com. To participate in the post-game Facebook Live with George, join the Facebook group VCU Basketball Fans, The Good, The Bad, The Ugly. We'll be back after the next game, and thanks for listening to this episode of Rams Rewind.